Hello everyone, my name is Liam Hundley and today I'm excited to welcome the social media manager for the Utah Jazz and member of the Leverage to Chat podcast network, Angie Treasure, aka Snark Tank on Twitter. Angie, thank you so much for joining me today for this informational interview for my Marketing 494 class. I greatly appreciate your time. No problem. I was, uh, I feel like I've made it. It's something I can brag to my mom about if <laughs> wanted to interview me for class. I don't know that she gets the whole podcast thing, but this... This might might pique her interest a little bit. Hey, I'm glad I could be the first one. <laughs> so, I want to start off with some sort of introductory stuff. Um, could you take us through how you got to where you are today? Uh, what drew you to digital media, that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's kind of a weird winding road, so you'll have to bear with me a little bit. Sure thing. Um, I went to school, I went to Weber State University, shout out to Damian Lillard, um, graduated with a degree in English and a minor in history. I did a little bit of work there um, with what's called the National Undergraduate Literature Conference, uh, the only undergraduate, undergraduate conference of its kind, um, and kind of figured I'd end up in editing or in writing. I didn't really have a clear path out of college, I I knew I loved um, literature, I knew I really liked history, so that combo made sense in retrospect. I probably should have done some kind of communications or um, social media emphasis, but really that wasn't on my radar at that time. Um, so graduated at 21 with an English degree that I didn't have a path towards using, so I, I ended up working as a part-time nanny, part-time florist, which is a you know was a hail mary in an attempt to figure out where I was going to end up a long um, way from digital media very far <laughs> I, I don't know if you know anything about working at a flower shop but it's just not very related to digital media <laughs> um, it was about that time when I was semi-employed um, that I got into Twitter and kind of discovered that that the best way to utilize Twitter is to be part of a community and so I was kind of a casual sports fan got a little more hardcore because me and my oldest sister have always kind of butted heads but we found that uh, the jazz gave us common ground something we could talk about and I'm inherently an information gatherer so I wanted to learn all I could so I started listening to podcasts and figured out Twitter was a really good informational way um, to be a part of that community um, so I was doing Twitter on the side of uh, also working as a florist. Um, from there, I actually got a job with a local pool and spa company, which is, again, a, a, just a, a, a little bit of a far cry from where I ended up, um, but running their blog. So I kind of learned about SEO and ran their social channels there. It was a weird fit. I was there for about a year and a half traveling um, doing videos uh, for pool, this pool and spa company um, and blogging regularly, also while doing Twitter on the side. Um, and Twitter is really where I did most of my networking, not really consciously, just kind of reaching out to people, meeting people at jazz games. Um, so from, from the blog, I got to know, while I was working at the blog, I got to know a guy named Spencer Hall, who is the news director for KSL.com. It's the largest news website in the state. Um, so I was unhappy at the at the pool and spa company. Um, Spencer posted that KSL.com needed a part-time um, night and weekend producer for the website, and I really didn't have any news experience, never thought I'd end up in news. 
Um, but but liked Spencer and liked the opportunity that it presented. So I ended up working um, part-time night and weekends as a producer, which is basically just um, sorting content, producing the stories, pushing it out on social. Um, from there, they kind of noticed I had this knack for social media, which is funny because, again, it was all pretty self-taught, especially Twitter. Um, mm. So they, they asked if I wanted to manage the social media for the site because it had kind of been an afterthought. Social media is an interesting thing because when it started coming out, they didn't really know who to give it to. It was like, oh, do, do we give it to the web guys because they understand the internet or is it part of something else? And I think it's some companies have been slower to adapt than others. Um, but anyway, KSL.com ended up offering me um, to kind of manage the social aspect of things so from there i moved away from being a producer pretty quickly i went full-time um, moved to days and then became the audience engagement manager for ksl.com so that was managing the entertainment section writing and doing their social um which was wild i loved that company um and then this opportunity came up at oh i guess Another piece of it is I started writing for the, the local um, ESPN True Hoop affiliate, okay. Salt City Hoops. Um, my my really good friend at KSL.com, the, the beat writer who covered the jazz, um, also edits, ed, uh, was managing editor for this blog at the time, and, and they lost their beat writer, and he was like, well, who could we who could we get to write about jazz, and who would, who would warrant a credential? And I was like, well, you know, I... I I've never written a gamer in my life, but I love the team. I know quite a bit about it. I would, I would love to try. So, I ended up uh, being the quasi part-time beat writer on top of my full-time um, audience development manager job, um, which was, in retrospect, a lot of this. The thing that loves a lot of it is saying yes to things I didn't know I'd be good at, oh, <laughs> and then slowly kind of learning. Um, from there and meeting people. Um, and so uh, I had been at KSL.com for, again, about a year and a half. There, that's a theme you'll notice. I'm on places for about a year and a half, and then I, I get another opportunity. <laughs> but um, the Utah Jazz own a radio station um, called the Zone Sports Network, and they needed a new digital director. Um, so they approached me. I had no intention of leaving KSL. I loved that job. Um, Although, like, in, in retrospect, I don't know that I could have been in news forever. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a different pace, a little different vibe. Um, so they approached me, offered me this job. They needed to launch a new website, and they really wanted to get going on their social media channels and, and hadn't really had someone with that focus. So they hired me away, and I did that for a year and a half before the social media manager job um, became available at the Jazz. And... I talked to the director of marketing. I had about six interviews when I applied um, and got offered right before Christmas. So that's my long, meandering road to where I am now. It's kind of bizarre, and every time people ask me how I got the job I got, it it's weird to answer because I didn't set out to have this job. Like, it's, it's a dream job in the sense that, I, I mean, I could, never could have imagined that this is where I'd end up, but... But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my long, weird answer about how I ended up in digital media. 
You know, you hear about that a lot, too. It's kind of crazy how Twitter can work that way, where you kind of just started ingraining yourself into basketball Twitter and communicating with people there. And a lot of people that wind up with these sort of big-time roles, you, you hear the same story. Like, for example, uh, Jesus and Mero, they blew up just from being great personalities on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's... It's a bizarre thing. It's one of those jobs, like, I can't explain to my grandparents. Like, I, I, I don't know how to give them context of what I do. And a lot of it has just been networking and not, not in a manipulative way and not in a very pointed way. But, like, I mean, I got to know Zach Harper, um, national NBA writer for FanRag Sports that everyone, everyone knows. Because uh, <laughs> he moved to town. And we sat by each other on press row, and we kind of just became friends and realized we had this rapport, and now we, we have the Snark Hoops podcast, and, you know, he's really helped my career, and, and it's just been one of those things that, like, I've met a bunch of people through Zach, um, but not, not that that was intentional, it just was, you know, getting to know people in the industry and kind of the natural proliferation of, of relationships that I've garnered through Twitter, which is just so bizarre. Like, I didn't start Twitter thinking that was going to be an end goal, but for sure. it just kind of, kind of happened. So it's it's a weird world for sure. <laughs> I bet your grandparents would have never thought that there'd be classes on it now. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I, I didn't even know there were classes on it when I was in school. I'm sure, I'm sure there were. I mean, I've been graduated for a while, but I, I mean, like, I, I, I don't even know if that would have helped. It's it, weird. I, I, I didn't. I would have loved to take those classes, but at the same time, it was this bizarre uh, self-taught Just skill, I guess. something that sort of fell into place for you, and you're really good at it, so I'm happy it happened that way for you. Oh, thank you. That's nice of you to say. Oh, sure thing. Now, moving on to my next question. Uh, as social media manager for the Jazz, what are your responsibilities on a day-to-day -day basis? So, sort of, what is the day-to-day -day like for you, and um, I'm sure there's a difference for game days and off days. Sure. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of meetings. <laughs> it's a lot more meetings than um, I was used to. So we, I'm part of the marketing arm um, of the Utah Jazz. So I work together with um, the VP of digital. He handles the website, the app, and social. So my social team has four members, myself included. Um, we have a team videographer. We have um, a girl who handles sponsorships so obviously a lot of what we do is sold or, or is needing to be branded and and requires a lot of coordination to um, make sure we're we're um, working together with sponsorship to you know to deliver those sellable entities and then um, I've got another team member who's kind of uh, Swiss Army knife he's, he's been on the team the longest and he he helps with everything so day to day it's meetings with design with marketing for upcoming projects. We just executed um, an international night for the jazz. Um, so that was coordinating videos, which which we worked together with PR to get um, with players sit down. We kind of did some fun videos. Yeah, I um, saw it. It was really cool. Yeah, so, so we'll plan events, upcoming things like that. Um, game day, like you said, is obviously different. We have a lot of things to get out. We have to preempt the game. Um, we have to get over to the arena um, pretty early, um, execute our opponent preview, our key matchups, and then in-game, 
I'm I'm uh, monitoring it on our social channels, obviously, but clipping highlights as we go along, um, pushing content out on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and Facebook, um, wrapping up post game, getting video. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of planning. We're trying to do a better job of of what my boss calls. Um, ready, aim, fire instead of ready, fire, aim. Obviously, social media is pretty reactive. Very fast-paced. And, and, and we have to be able to do that. But there's also a lot I think we don't give ourselves a chance to be prepared be prepared for, so to speak. So, um, like with International Night, like instead of just going in saying, okay, we'll, we'll just kind of integrate it however we can. We, you know, had a bunch of phrases translated. Um, we had a specific game plan for when we want to release our videos, that kind of thing. So I think that's maybe a misconception about social media is it's all reactive. Um, I think you definitely, that's a huge piece of it, but there's a lot you can pre-plan for and be, and be prepared for so you don't miss anything, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of emails, but, um, it's, a uh, it's a really cool job. I, I'm enjoying this job more than I have any other. And I'm still under two months in, so hopefully it keeps that shine for me. <laughs> oh, sure. So when you're trying to turn over these video clips and highlights, how, how difficult is it to sort of keep up? Because uh, for this class, we actually did a class project where we went and covered a Phoenix Rising game, which is a local USL soccer team, and I was responsible for the live tweeting. And I wasn't clipping videos or anything. I, I was having such a hard time just trying to keep up with everything. Just something would happen. I'd be writing out a tweet for it, and something else would happen. And be like, "Oh shit! I need to I need to catch up on this." Do you do you ever sort of struggle with that kind of stuff? For sure, and it ends up being a lot of prioritizing. Like, I mean, we we use a, a program that the league uses called Clip Pro, and it populates a little slow. So you have to be okay with being a bit behind, which which bugs me because obviously Twitter is so in the moment um, yeah. and and so about who says it first. So to have to wait to get the video um, can be a little distracting. Um, but my brain works on a very um, – I have a lot of tabs open in my head at the same time, so to speak. So I like that aspect. Live tweeting a game is probably my favorite thing I get to do. Um, but it is challenging. I mean, it's challenging to keep your eye on stats, keep your eye on the play, keep your eye on the game. Know some of the bigger picture stuff. Like last night we, we had Joe Ingles had his 200th consecutive game, which we had to remember. And that was something I had to pre-plan for, get a graphic made. Um, Donovan Mitchell, keeping an eye on, you know, if he was going to get another 20-point game, it was going to be a sixth in a row and his 30th of the season. Just just all these things you, you keep sorted in your head, which I – kind of thrive on I like I like multitasking um that way and that goes back to really my time at at ksl.com I, I really got a taste for doing a bunch of things quickly and at the same time being so, able to compartmentalize and handle yeah, it all at the same time yeah so I I I enjoy it but it is it's definitely a challenge and if you haven't flexed that muscle much before it's it's a uh, it's a whole new world, for sure. I'm sure something that would have helped me sort of off on a tangent here is if I, like, I follow the NBA a lot clo more closely than I do USL soccer, so sure. I, I wasn't exactly familiar with all the players that were on the field. I was trying to pull up rosters and 
find out who was what number, but I could only find the rosters for last year, so I'm sure that didn't help me at all. Yeah, solid knowledge base is, is, uh, is helpful in that instance, for Absolutely. sure. Uh, so you, you mentioned that you're posting uh, content across all of these different social platforms. How does your digital strategy vary across those platforms? Yeah, so obviously Twitter is a huge priority based on audience and my knowledge base, and just the format itself is a lot more conducive to to live coverage. Um, Facebook and Instagram, we have to be a little more selective because you can't, I mean, I, I don't know how many times we tweet a game, probably like 40, 40 or 50 tweets in game, mm. maybe. Um Instagram and Facebook, like, you can't spam people with that kind of content. So you have to be a lot more selective. Our Facebook audience is very different than our Instagram audience. You know, you can be a lot more – you can have a different tone on Instagram because it's a younger demographic. Facebook, you maybe can't be as obscure. Um, You just have to be mindful. You have to be mindful of audience. You have to be mindful of frequency. Um, And you have to be more selective about, like, okay, what's really a a thing that people are going to want to see here? And also, you have to keep in mind um, what those algorithms are doing. Because Mm. it's very different across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, obviously. Because, you know, with with, with the algorithm updates, people aren't seeing everything you're posting. Yeah, from from everything I've been hearing is that Facebook's algorithm is really sort of finding... uh, is really sort of challenging to figure out these days. For sure. And and they've just announced that they're going to prioritize video less than they have in the past. I mean, for a while, I think that's all that was on uh, Facebook feeds was, was video. And, mm. and now they're saying, okay, we're recognizing that might be a little spammy, so we're going to remove that. And, and so that puts us in a conundrum as far as, okay, so what becomes shareable content? What becomes something that people are going to want to see in their feed? Is it more articles? Is it more static images? Is it still video? Um, so, yeah, d- during the game, uh, Twitter gets our main attention, and then we just are a little more mindful on voice and tone and frequency as we post across platforms. What kind of, what kind of uh, voice and content do you try to use for Snapchat? Snapchat is interesting. I was just there's a Facebook group we have between social media managers on on Facebook, and mm-hmm. I was just asking people that what they're doing with Snapchat because Instagram Stories is really um, taking over priority for us because we get so many more viewers there, um, and they've they've integrated a lot of features a lot more seamlessly than Snapchat has. Plus, with the update, people aren't viewing Stories as much. True. Um, we still do post on Snapchat, and we do reach a different demographic than that's unique to all our platforms. I think our, our main demo is 13 to 17 on Snapchat, which is, wow. you know, that's what we want. We want to grow our, our young audience, and we want to engage our young audience, um, even if it is a small snippet compared to who we're reaching on Instagram. Yeah. But it's obviously younger. It's obviously a lot more freeform. You can be goofier. Mm. You can a, a lot of what people want to see on those platforms, um, especially on game day is kind of behind the scenes stuff. So it's a lot of pregame warmups. When we were at all-star, it was a lot of the behind the scenes stuff we did when we followed around Donna and Mitchell, um, because that's really the kind of audience we want to grow. We want, we want to have these 
teenagers grow with us in their fandom, so to speak. So it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, sort of pulling yeah. back the curtain a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like, we want to... And that's the thing, too. Like, we want to give people a unique reason to follow us. As much as we like clipping highlights and telling jokes and sharing pictures, there's a lot of stuff people can get anywhere. Um, we want to show some of our access as a reason for people to follow us. And those platforms are unique for that. So sort of building off that, uh, it seems like, the, speaking of Donovan Mitchell, it seems like the Jazz have some extremely marketable, pla- marketable players in terms of people like Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, where as not only are they, they seem to be pretty good personalities, but they also have some international reach. Um, how, how much does it help to have players that seem to enjoy working with you on this stuff? It's, I mean... Donovan Mitchell is a godsend for a lot of basketball reasons and a lot of like social media reasons. Mm. He's he's genuine. He's he's not. I'm sure being in the league a long time gets you a little jaded towards the coverage, um, but he's super receptive, um, and he's a player that's getting a lot of national attention right now. So we're look, always looking to capitalize on that because um, we want to be like, hey, look at this guy we have who we drafted 13th is in, and is in the rookie of the year conversation, like. And he's a good dude, and he's exceeding expectations, and just won the dunk contest. He's so, damn fun to watch. <laughs> he's really fun to watch, and he's and he's one of those guys. Like I've been around the team for about th- three years, and you get to learn the guys who tolerate the media, the guys who are really good with the media, but maybe aren't saying what they mean. Mm. And Donovan is just one of these guys who says what he means, and and doesn't have this distaste for for what the media is doing because he gets it. And, and that may stem from his father's background in working with the Mets. It may stem from coming from a program like Louisville. And, it, you know, honestly, a big chunk of it is probably just who he is as a person. But that that helps enormously. And, and not every franchise has that. At the same time, not every franchise has a Ricky Rubio who's got this insane international reach and has been a superstar since he was 14. And, you know, we have we have seven players on our team who um, come from a different country. Um, and, and, like, with with just having International Night, it's something we're, we're mindful of. We want to reach an international audience, and that's something Adam Silver has been mindful of as the commissioner of the NBA. He, he wants to be global. He wants to um, reach more than just the American demographic because there's so much beyond that. And, uh, yeah, guys like Joe Ingles, who, you know, most NBA fans probably have no idea who he is and would look at his contract and, and be a little surprised. But, like, is this, has become this incredible 3 and D player at, at 30 years old and is leading the league in three-point percentage. It's just – it's it's a lot of those, like, underdog stories. It's very Spursian in, in our international scope and um, – yeah, it definitely helps us as far as content purposes. It's so funny how Ingles has this kind of cult internet hive behind him too now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like one of my favorite things to do, go on Twitter and and look up Joe Ingles looks like and see how many different perspectives you get on on what people think. Taking Joe taking looks a like. taking a page out of the Lebetard book. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think I think uh, Zach Lowe in one of his articles called him like a substitute math teacher or something. Like, he's just... And, and it's true. Oh, and, and yeah, he's he's great, though, and he's he's certainly one of our fan favorites. 
Okay, so move, moving on. Uh, in this class, every week we've had different guest speakers from across all the world of sports digital media. We've had people from the NFL, UFC, NHL. Uh, we had two NBA guys. We had uh, Hunter Suggesta and Hiran Yoshi from the Houston Rockets. I'm not sure if you know them or not. But uh, they stopped by while they were in town to play the Suns. And a recurring question I've been asking is, do you think different leagues approach social and digital media differently? And if so, do you think there's a particular league that does it best? I mean, I think the NBA does it best, personally. Okay. I think the NFL has, has shown to be less progressive in a few ways, but social being one of them. Like, I know Adam Silver um, doesn't care if you clip video off of your TV, you know, like, where some leagues crack down on that. We've seen with the Olympics, like, it's technically illegal, where Adam Silver's perspective is more, hey, the more people who are sharing and talking about us, the better. That doesn't hurt our product. Absolutely. Um. I think the NBA in general is a more progressive league. Um, I, I think the fans come from a lot of more varied backgrounds. It's it's interesting to see who becomes writers, who writes about the team, teams, who's who's employed by the teams. They come from such varied backgrounds, and and that's why I think the content is more interesting. Is it, it's it's not just like hardcore sports guy. It's people like me who who were. You know, I was a florist for a while after getting my English degree. You know what I mean? Like the Zach Lowe's of the world who were who were history teachers or Shea Serrano's or, you know, people who are writing about it aren't just your stereotypical sports person. Um, and I think that makes for a more interesting conversation, um, both about about the games and teams and players and, and otherwise. Plus, I think the inherent stardom of, of NBA players is more interesting. Obviously, the, the NFL has this, this strange um, predicament where there's they have a ton of players, um, but they're, they're not super recognizable. People don't engage with the players the same way we do with NBA players. You know, I don't, I don't know. To, to me, I think, I think the NBA is doing it the best across across. All sports. It's totally crazy to me because, I, I mean, I have to say I totally agree. I I always ask that question with me sort of as a leading question because I do think the NBA blows out every single other league, and I don't think it's that close. Like, NFL content is just so boring to me at this point, and it, it blows my mind that the NFL and the MLB, they just suck at marketing their stars. Like, uh, that's probably harsh language to use where I've, I've spoken to some of these people in class, but you, you, you don't just, you don't see the sort of interaction that you do around the NBA coverage with, with these other leagues. I just think in the NBA in general, just comes at it, everything from such different angles, and but we're all talking about the same thing. And I don't know that the other leagues have done a good job of doing that. I think they talk to a very specific audience in a very specific way. And I I, I don't see as much variance. I mean, admittedly, I'm, I'm not neck deep in NFL Twitter because gross. But, <laughs> but, but it's, um, yeah, I just don't see the personality. I think, I don't, I think it takes itself a little too seriously, to be honest. Like, I, I mean, ultimately sports are meant to be fun and we cover a fun league and, and I, 
I think we've got a different spirit about us. That sounds really stupid, but um, that would totally makes yeah, sense. I, I, I think, I mean, football culture is all obviously has its own um, issues. Issues. Thank you. Um, but I, I definitely think NBA is doing it right, and I think a lot of that starts with again Adam Silver, top down. It's it's a different attitude. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I actually have that written down here. I said the NBA just has so much more fun with it than everyone else does. And at the end of the day, sport, sports are supposed to be fun. Like, yep. Every, and everything don't even else start is. It on college football. That, that's a oh, whole different we, we, godless <laughs> corner of the internet. Well, that's why I'm hoping that this NCAA investigation, or the FBI investigation into NCAA basketball, starts to break some of this craziness down because. It really just is a totally broken system. Yep. But, um, okay, I guess we can move on from that. Um, sort of building off of it, actually, uh, how different leagues have to sort of cater to their different audiences. Uh, obviously, the NFL has a much different audience than uh, the NBA does. And being that Utah is sort of more of a conservative state, do you ever feel like you have to change or hold back on your content to appeal to that audience? I think it's a little different from appealing to that audience, not alienating that audience, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, I, I worked for, when I was at KSL, that's a conservative news group owned by the church, and, and obviously the Jazz are owned by a very conservative family, and when I was getting hired, a lot of the conversation around my hiring was, okay, how do we push the envelope without being disrespectful? Because, you know, in essence, the social media arm of the company, because the, the group of companies, Larry H. Miller group of companies is, is huge, and we're essentially the most vocal and forward-facing um, voice of the company. So that's a huge responsibility. At the same time, I don't have any interest in being boring. Like, being part of NBA Twitter to make noise, you've got to be interesting. You've got to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening, not only in the league, but nationally. And I think where maybe previous um, social media managers have gotten hung up is they're only speaking to Utah-based mm. Utah Jazz fans. And I think if, if that's fine, and, and you have to be able to speak that language and talk to that group, but... If we want to grow as a brand, if we want to get attention from more than just Utah-based jazz fans, we've got to be talking to more than Utah-based jazz fans because we're going to really give ourselves a hard ceiling if that's the only audience we're concerned with, right? So so we want to appeal to general NBA fans. We want to appeal to general sports fans. We want to appeal to comedy fans. You know, we want to... We want to be broader we want to be international we don't we don't want to cap ourselves we don't want to be like oh we're small market we're not going to have this large audience but while simultaneously keeping in mind hey there's a respect level here there's there's an expectation that that we're smart about it and i kind of me personally i i like that challenge i like working within parameters because i think that is that breeds creativity is is being able to work work within um I wouldn't say confines because that has a negative connotation, but working within um, some of those guidelines and, and keeping in mind, okay, we want to be respectful, but we also want to be funny and we want to be on top of it and we want to be part of the national conversation. So 
So I think it's something you always keep in mind. And, you know, there's a lot that's not worth losing my job over, as we've seen, a lot, you know, social media managers have varying lengths of leashes across teams. Um, so I think being able to know that I have I have support from from the higher ups and obviously my getting hired was was a big vote of confidence but mm-hmm. at the same time you know don't do anything stupid essentially so they do give you a pretty a pretty long leash in that regards yeah and like i said we had so many conversations i had conversations with with the head of marketing i had conversations with even the team president steve sarks um they were familiar with me from twitter they they liked what i did um they want that part of the jazz brand while also not embarrassing the family. So they knew what they were getting themselves into. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't hire me. They hired you for a reason. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I love how the NBA does sort of take a more national viewpoint in that regards in terms of appealing to a much broader audience. You mentioned bringing um, fans of comedy into the fold. I, I love what the media is doing around the Portland Trailblazers with sort of integrating Ian Carmel into some of their stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the, it's the smart thing to do. And again, you don't want to give yourself a, a limit because you only want to talk to one audience. You've got to talk to more than that. Absolutely. Okay, so um, next question I have is where where do you see the future of the NBA going in terms of its use of digital media? Do you think there's any sort of groundbreaking technology, use of technology that will be used? I know, uh, just to give an example, I, I saw in an interview that Adam Silver said he wants NBA broadcasts to look more like a Twitch chat or a Twitch channel. Yeah, I, I, I think I was just going to go there with with Twitch. I, I think the streaming aspect is going to be huge. On Monday, we have um, like the, the NBA VR people coming to the game. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that's an insane experience to like have these VR goggles and, and feel like you're down on the floor. And I think that a lot of that is an appeal to um, more overseas audiences, specifically China. I think they that's where a lot of the opportunity to grow the game is, especially digitally. I think um, we as NBA fans want to experience the game in different ways, which is where social media comes in. So we want to be watching it. We want to be chatting with other people. We want to see the jokes other people are making. So I think if we can make it kind of that multifaceted um, streaming, viewing, slash interacting experience, I think that's where the league is going. That, that's going to be it's going to be a fun evolution to sort of watch and see as it happens. I I, I love what Adam Silver has done in his terms of yep. uh, in his terms so far of being the commissioner. He's he's been super pro- progressive with this kind of stuff, and I, I do think it's going to blow up in regards. I'm with you. So just before we wrap up here, um, this is obviously a class full of college students who are going to be looking for a job soon. Some of us probably in the field of digital media. So do you have any career advice that you could share with us? I would say, say yes to things. If, if you get an opportunity, especially if it's digital media, but maybe not the field you want it to be in, um, I, it's better to work than to not work. It's better to create things and make contacts than to, to hold out for your dream job, so to speak. I said yes to a lot of things 
not having no idea where they were going to end up, maybe knowing in the back of my head, this is not where I want to be for 30 years. But at the same time, um, every, every time I've said yes, something good has come of it. So that would be my advice. Awesome. Angie, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I really do appreciate it. Uh, everyone who winds up listening to this, please go follow Angie on Twitter. It's at snark underscore tank. She's super funny and a great Twitter follow. Uh, you can also check her out on the Snark Hoops pod, on the Talk Hoops with Zach Harper feed, as well as the Basketball Friends podcast that she features there pretty often. And, of course, check out her work on the Utah Jazz social feeds. Uh, anything else you want to plug, Angie? I think you covered it all, Liam. Well done. <laughs> I'm trying my best out here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Have a great day.